What a wonderful day to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So good to be here this morning. I want to uh, take just a moment to um, thank Pastor Keith and Sister Donna for this wonderful, wonderful opportunity. What an honor it is to be um, here with you this morning. Did I jump the gun? I have a habit of doing that. My wife says you get ahead of yourself way too often. So good to be here once again. My name is Chuck. Um, I get this great honor of calling Pastor Keith a friend. And uh, he asked me to fill his place this morning, which is going to be very difficult to do. Uh, but I'm going to share God's word with us. Amen? <clears throat> I want to also... Uh, introduce my wife, if you will let me. It's so good. My bride of 37 years, um, she goes with me everywhere I go. She is uh, my rock and my strength, and I just love her to death. I thank her for all that she does for me. She is, you know, for us men that have good wives, all of us say amen. They are great encouragers. We need them to walk beside us. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me this morning. Mark chapter number 14. We want to look at verses 32 through 37. It's a long reading, so I'm only going to read a portion of that this morning. Mark chapter 14, starting at verse number 32. And I think I'm going to go through about 40. When they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said unto his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed. To the point of death, he said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed, If it is possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible with you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he come back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to say to him. Returning a third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping? Resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man 
is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let's go. Here comes my betrayers. And if you continue to read, next you see that Jesus is arrested. And then if you continue to read, you see that Jesus is taken before the Sanhedrin. And then Peter disowns Jesus. Let's pray. Father, once again, we stand before you. And Father, we call out to you. Lord, have your way. I pray this morning, Father, that you would hide us behind the cross. Cover us in the blood of Jesus. Lord, not that a man be seen, but Lord, that the word of God comes forth as powerful and as sharp as a two-edged sword. Thank you for this opportunity. Now, Father, you have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I want to ask you to do me a favor, if you would. If you have a pen on the back of the bulletin, there we have some notes. I want you to pin this on the bottom of that piece of paper. On the bottom, I want you to write this. What are you saying to me? Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? We're talking about the Garden of Gethsemane, and and I want to kind of lead up to it. It was a long and difficult day. At the end of a long and difficult week. You see, it was a Sunday before, and crowds began to cheer, and all of a sudden this triumphant entry was taking place as Jesus entered into Jerusalem. His name was on the lips of everyone. Thousands upon thousands of people were speaking his praises. Everybody wanted to see him. They wanted to be by him. They wanted to be near him. They wanted to be present. Why? Because perhaps, just maybe perhaps, he would do another miracle. Or maybe he would heal the sick. On that day, Jesus accepted their praises, knowing that by the end of the week, they would all turn against him. On Monday, Jesus sees the height of the corruption in the temple area. Their merchants are there and money changers took up the whole court of the Gentiles for their businesses, leaving no room for those outside of the covenant, those that were seeking God, those that knew nothing about the law of Moses, leaving no place for them to come and pray. He had a handmade whip and and he drove them out. He upset the tables. And he said this, he said, My father's house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you, you have made it a den of robbers. And then on Tuesday, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they started to harass. They started to harass him in earnest. As he was giving the people one final glimpse of of what the kingdom of God was all about. Before he was about to enter into his suffering, his enemies approached. Who do you think you are? By what authority do you say these things? Yet it was a question that was easily answered. But 
Do you feel the animosity, the hatred, the venom that's evident to those that said it? They weren't for him. They were against him. People who should have known Those who by years of long study should have recognized him and welcomed him. You know what they did? They sought to trip him up. And before the week was over, they would cast their vote to put him to death. Then on Wednesday, one of his close friends, the one that was with him for three years, the one who had access to his deepest longing the deepest feelings in his heart agreed to betray him. Agreed to betray him to his enemies. This betrayal by a close friend wasn't because of some ideological differences. No. He did it. He betrayed Jesus. Not because Jesus was doing something improper or to keep him from spreading heresy. No. At least Christ's enemies had an excuse. No. You know what? This betrayal, this betrayal was for money, for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a common slave. On Thursday, the night of our study, Jesus had one final meal with his disciples. He had one last night, one last time to try to teach his closest followers what was coming. One last night to prepare them for what they were about to see, what they were about to experience, what they were about to go through. I believe he knew their love was weak. He knew all of them would be scattered. Even Peter, his closest friend, would deny him three times. Would deny that he even knew the Lord. And then he watched as Judas left the table. He knew that in just a few hours he would return with a, with a band of soldiers. And those soldiers would arrest him. He knew that in spite of all of his efforts, his disciples only just barely understood the significance of that night. They had only the barest perception of what he was going to do for them. He knew that in many ways, though they were with him bodily, that he was very much alone. And it was in this way that Jesus entered into the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the same way that we, that you and I, we enter in to our gardens of Gethsemane. What is our garden? Our garden is that time that we feel like we're alone, we're betrayed. 
It may be that moment when we feel as though we've been disappointed by somebody very close to us, somebody that we shared our life with, somebody that knew our deepest, intimate details of our life. And they took what they knew about us and they held it and they twisted it and they hurt us. They betrayed us. You've been there. We've all been there. We've all been disappointed. I'm sure that Jesus, when he was standing there in the religious sector, those that knew what the law was about, those that knew the scriptures, when they began to hurl the insults, when they began to not act as though they knew how to act, when they weren't the leaders they were supposed to be, when they were more involved with the politics than the relationship, when they were more involved with getting ahead than being right with God. What about loneliness? You ever struggle with that? Most of us in here have probably been at that place in our life when we felt like we were totally alone. Lord, where are you? Everybody's left. Have you left me too? You ever been there? Most of us have. What about the experience of loss? Oh. To lose somebody into eternity brings great pain. But you know what brings more pain than that? To lose somebody that you walk arm in arm with, that you have fought the battle with, and something happens and you're separated from them because of disappointment, maybe betrayal, but we lose the relationship. Remember, Jesus experienced that. Remember Peter? You ever have a feeling of hopelessness? That's a garden. That's a garden that every one of us have to walk through. Hopelessness. Despair. And I could go on and on naming the different gardens that you and I have to walk through. That we have to fight our way through. But I believe that Jesus showed us a great example of how we can come through our gardens. So I want to look at what Jesus did there. Because I really believe when we look at what Jesus did, we can begin to understand what we can do as we enter into our gardens. In the garden, Jesus pursued relationships. That's what he did. I read it this morning. Mark 14, 32 through 40. He drew his friends around him in the time of trouble. In this, the most difficult day of his life, Jesus asked his friends to stay with him. 
You know what we tend to do? When we go through our tough time, you know what we do? We alienate ourselves because we're so prideful. We don't want nobody to know that we're hurting, that we may be confused, that we're struggling. So we separate ourselves from our friends. My friend, look, you were never created to do life by yourself. But we separate ourselves, and it's when we're separated that we become a target of the enemy. Do I have to remind you this morning, the scripture says, the enemy is like a lion, and he's prowling around looking for those that are weak. Because it's in our weakness that he pounces on us. I think we really have to learn that we don't go into the garden by ourselves. Iron sharpens iron. We're not a church. We're the body of Christ. We need each other. I believe everything in me. This is a time when we most need the body of Christ. If you're in a garden this morning, you're struggling, I'm going to ask you to take the risk of asking someone to share your anguish and your pain. There are some people in your life that you can trust, that love you, that want to and they can walk through the garden with you. We need help when we're in the garden. It's the time of our deepest sorrow. I noticed this. Jesus spoke directly to the friends. He spoke directly to them even when they disappointed him. In verse number 37, why? Why are you not awake? People don't automatically know what's going on inside of you. Most of us, if it was us, we would have come down, we would have saw our friends asleep, and we would have said nothing. But Jesus spoke to them directly. Because, you know what, here's what we think. If people really loved us, they would read our minds. They would know what we need. They would know the best way to encourage me. They would know when I'm struggling with something. Jesus had no problem communicating very clearly. And he told them directly, you know what, listen guys, I'm disappointed at your level of commitment. The truth is, life is tough, isn't it? Life is tough. A lot of times when we need our friends the most, sometimes that's when we get hurt the deepest. Maybe you're going through some rough times right now. But you know what? Listen, maybe your friend is going through a rough time themselves. Whatever the reason that we get disappointed, we can't be silent. Talk to them. 
oftentimes, you know what, in the time of our need, oftentimes our friends and family want to be there for us, but they don't know how. Sometimes we just have to tell them. Have you ever had to tell somebody, I, I need my space? Give me a moment to get over it. Or have you ever told somebody, I wish you would just, just stay here? You don't have to say anything. Just, I don't want to be alone. Jesus communicated. Our friends really want to be there for us. Don't give up on friends. So how do we survive the garden? How do we survive when we're under intense pressure and stress? Am I the only one in this place this morning that knows what stress is? <laughs> well, there's a way to survive it. Jesus continued to pursue them even after they failed. <clears throat> I bet he was very stressed out at that particular moment. He knew what was coming. He knew that they need to be connected to the Father and they're asleep. I think sometimes we tend to give up on people, especially when we really need them and they're not there for us. But even after they failed, I love it because Jesus continued to pursue them. He doesn't give up on us. And if he doesn't give up on me, you know what that tells me? I can't give up on you. He, he continued to pursue them, continued to give them the opportunity to comfort him. And they call this unity of spirit, this companionship. And let me tell you something. It's very important to Jesus. Let me share with you. I want to step outside the book of Mark. John chapter number 17, verses 20 through 24. It really emphasizes the oneness, the togetherness, in the good times, in the bad times that we walk through. My prayer, this is Jesus, red letters. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their, through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I am them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory and the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Unity. You see, in the garden, Jesus pursued relationships. 
but he was also very persistent in his prayer. Let me ask you a question. Many of us fail in the garden because we have no prayer life. Some of us sitting here this morning, we're struggling and we have no direction because we're in the midst of our garden. We're in the midst of the betrayal, the loneliness, and we're not connected to God. Jesus prayed privately. My friend, we all need a special place that we can be alone with God. Do you have that place? Jesus prayed intimately. He didn't pray some canned prayer. No, forgive me for saying it like this, but I can tell you, Jesus just got naked in front of God, and he said, Father, I need help. I'm struggling. I don't know if I can do this, but Father... If you'll strengthen me, if you'll be my strength, then I will walk through this time holding on to your hand and you and I together will come out on the other side. He wasn't worried about if the words were proper, if they sounded right. He was just standing before Abba Father, crying out. He was intimate. Abba, the term of endearment. Jesus and God were intimate. They were coming together as one. Do you know God on a first name basis? Jesus prayed repeatedly. He kept going back over and over throughout that night. Remember, he come to check on them three times. So we know at least three times he went back to Abba Daddy, Abba Father, and prayed. Persistence. Persistence is a common theme throughout the Bible. In Luke, We read the story of a persistent widow that just would not give up. Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about a thorn in the flesh. Reading the story of Jesus in the garden kind of encourages me. It encourages me because if he had to go back several times, then how many more times do I need to go back? How much more often do I need to go before the Father? I believe that we can overcome anything in life as a born-again believer. But it takes prayer. Worship team, would you join me on the platform? In other words, what I'm saying is we need to pray until something happens. Until God specifically says no or until you get the answer.
because we find the answer when we, when we chase after him. I believe Jesus did several things in his prayer life. He prayed with power. I know he prayed with power because the scripture says an angel come to strengthen him. The scripture says he even prayed more and more earnestly. The longer he prayed, the more powerful his prayer became. And Jesus prayed until the moment of his passion. Some of us in this room were facing the most difficult time in our life. We're in a garden. A not so pretty garden. Not a garden full of roses and tulips. Not a garden full of an essence of beauty. But a garden full of rocks and stones. A garden that we're in to do one of two things. To strengthen us, make us more than an overcomer, a garden to teach us how we can minister to other people. Because how many of you know ministry comes out of the hurt and the pain in life? You see, once you've been there, and you've received the love of Christ, the grace, the blood, and you've been covered, now you have hope. And you can share that with people that are walking through their garden, their difficult time. Or we can just give up. But I know nobody in this room is a quitter. Oh, you may feel like giving up. But you know that's not in your DNA. That's not what you were created for. You were created for a purpose. You were created with a calling. And though you may go through your garden, don't be afraid. Like Jesus, call out. I need help. I need encouragement. I need somebody strong to stand beside me. Give me strength. The garden is not what killed him. The garden is what prepared him. It's what gave him his strength. I really believe this whole story is Jesus speaking to us, saying, This is how you overcome. The scripture says, We overcome by the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb. My testimony is that I survive the garden. Though my friend may have left me, though I felt alone, 
Papa was there. Abba, Father, was there. And you're here this morning, and you're struggling. You're struggling. Well, you don't have to struggle by yourself. Because Jesus is alive. And he's alive in this room this morning. And he's alive inside of me. And he's inside, alive inside of the born-again believers in this room. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe you're here this morning. And you find yourself in the garden. And you may be like me. You find yourself there more than you like to be. But it's because he's chiseling, he's molding, and he's making you into the child of God that he's called you to be. If you feel like you're in a garden this morning, I don't want to know what garden you're walking through. But I wonder if maybe you would just, with me, just stand where you're at and say, you know, I sure would like a friend to just pray for me. Somebody to strengthen me. I'm fighting a fight. I'm battling a battle. You're not going to make it by yourself. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Well, I got Jesus. I got Jesus. And if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, I wouldn't be able to stand. But friend, let me remind you, Jesus took his friends into the garden. Oh, I just had this thought. Maybe you're not in the garden for yourself. Maybe you're in the garden to show somebody in your life how you depend on God. Remember, that's called discipleship. moments in my life that I'm able to deposit what Jesus has given me. So if you need prayer, I just want you to stand. And if you don't, then let's all stand together. Can we do that? Can we all just stand together? I know this may sound weird, but I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you just grab the hand of the person next to you? If you're not comfortable doing that, we certainly don't want you to do it. But if you are, just grab the hand of the person next to you. And let's pray together, can we? Father, 
I pray for the person next to me. I pray for this congregation this morning. Father God, that as we walk through our garden of Gethsemane, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us courage and strength, Lord, to stand and not waver. And Father, would you give us words of life to speak into the lives of the loved ones that you've gathered around us. I pray, Father God, that you would use us in a fresh, new way. The lost. Lord, let this Christ community family become aware that the Garden of Gethsemane is their training ground. And fathers, we walk out these doors today. There's going to be people you put in our lives that we will pray with, that we will stand with. And Lord, we'll even bring them to church that they might be encouraged by the Word of God. I thank you for this day. For you are a great and mighty God, able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask for or think of. And it's in your precious name we pray. The whole church says amen, amen. and amen. Can we just give a hand clap of praise?